At Gontrepreneur, we have heard from dozens of cannabis business owners who have encountered the issue of canna bias, which is when a mainstream business, whether a landlord, bank, or some other provider of vital business services, refuses to do business with them simply because of their association with cannabis. We have even heard stories of businesses being unable to provide health and life insurance for their employees because the insurance providers were too afraid to work with them. We believe that this fear is totally unreasonable and that cannabis business owners deserve access to the same services and resources that other businesses are afforded, that they should be able to hire consultation to help them follow the letter of the law in their business endeavors, and that they should be able to provide employee benefits without needing to compromise on the quality of coverage they can offer. This is why we created the Gontrepreneur.com Business Service Directory, a resource for cannabis professionals to find and connect with service providers who are cannabis friendly and who are actively seeking cannabis industry clients. If you are considering hiring a business consultant, lawyer, accountant, web designer, or any other ancillary service for your business, go to Gontrepreneur.com businesses to browse hundreds of agencies, firms, and organizations who support cannabis legalization and who want to help you grow your business. With so many options to choose from in each service category, you will be able to browse company profiles and do research on multiple companies in advance so you can find the provider who is the best fit for your particular need. Our business service directory is intended to be a useful and well-maintained resource, which is why we individually vet each listing that is submitted. If you are a business service provider who wants to work with cannabis clients, you may be a good fit for our service directory. Go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to create your profile and start connecting with cannabis entrepreneurs today. Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and thank you for listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Uh, today, I'm joined by Sean Gold. He's the CEO of Pilgrim Soul, a purpose-driven lifestyle cannabis brand and creators of the Creative Thinking Journal, which we're going to talk all about. Very interesting project, uh, like nothing else uh, I've ever seen and, and have had uh, on this show. So, uh, before we get into the journal, man, Sean, how you doing? And uh, tell me about yourself, how you ended up in the space. Well, first, let me say thanks for having me on the podcast, man. I really love it. It's really kind of important to normalize cannabis and, and level people up and how they can participate in this community from a both personal and commercial uh, perspective. So thank you. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Appreciate it. Thank you. So I got, so like I'm this classic ADD kind of person, like a lot of entrepreneurs. I've used cannabis really my whole life for the creative process. Like I use it to, like when you're starting a company and building a new idea, I use it to empathize with consumers, to focus when you, you know, you've probably seen some research about ADD, people using cannabis to focus. And I also like use it to make nonlinear connections and connect ideas that, I may be too lazy to do, or just you know, when I'm or when I'm not you know, using cannabis, it's like a second opinion for me. So I kind of started, you know, in the cannabis business, you know, in high school. Clearly, like a lot of people, rolling about forty joints a day and selling them, <laughs> in, selling them in the apple orchard uh, before school, and I'd get high. And I, I actually, you know, I just want to say that I do not recommend that. I had biology. Uh, first period, and and uh, I know very little about biology. <laughs> so I, I talk to my kids, you know, about like 
smoking cannabis as a young person is just not an, not an amazing idea. Great idea for your brain when your brain is ready to, to receive it. So, um, so in my professional career, it's really been about doing things that haven't been done before. Like I had this company called touch tunes where you could listen on the, this is before the internet, where you can listen to music on the telephone and hear tracks and sample them. And then, um, launched one of the first online zines called word.com in 1995. And then launched um, a bunch of blogs early in the blog space, launched Engadget and Joystick and about 80 other blogs that we sold to AOL. And then became the CMO of MySpace and kind of scaled that from 25 to 110 million users. I joined back up with some of the MySpace guys to, to help scale this company called Textile, which was it's now like a billion dollar direct to consumer fashion business. And we launched brands like Just Fab and Fabletics and Shoe Dazzle and Rihanna's uh, Savage by Fenty. So while I was a textile, I connected with the Stanley brothers and Charlotte Figgy through a mutual friend and they needed help connecting with people in Hollywood and meeting people and just making connections. So I, I had a dinner for them and I invited uh, the CEO of MedMen at the time. This is like 2015 maybe. Um, and then kind of like what MedMen was doing as far as again, normalizing cannabis and making it acceptable for the, you know, at the time they were saying like the Chardonnay mom to buy cannabis. And they definitely did a great, you know, they've done some things well and some things poorly, but they definitely did a great job in, as normalizing cannabis on the West Coast for sure. Um, and then I was, a friend of mine created the brand Lowell Smokes, which is an amazing brand out here in California. I introduced them to MedMen. MedMen invested in them. And then I became the CMO of Lowell and uh, really helped scale that. And then, um, you know, we can talk a little bit about like why Lowell was such a great brand. But um, I did a, a collaboration with uh, no Notorious B.I.G.'s kid, C.J. Wallace. He has an entity called Think Big, really kind of playing on his father's legacy. And it's about creativity and social justice. And we did this, I, I sent him seven strains that index high for creativity and said, smoke them and rank them. And we took the top three and we created this blend, uh, like a think big creative blend. And we gave 10% of the proceeds to the California Prison Arts Project. And we put that in the marketplace. Like we only had 10,000 packs, but they sold out in like a week. It was a wow. massive hit. So, I mean, it could have been a more massive hit if we did more packs, but the, um, I, I had, I bought, you know, I bought a bunch of URLs around cannabis and creativity. I've been using cannabis for creative thinking for 40 years or so. So I decided I was going to leave Lowell and just really focus on this niche opportunity in cannabis, which was to build Pilgrim Soul, you know, focus specifically on cannabis for creativity. So, so a lot of uh, people I've had on the show, you know, and especially those who uh, work in the tech space, they, uh, you know, they often compare the cannabis and the tech space. And you were in, uh, you know, not just the tech space, but but also the the really sort of uh, early days of, of social media. Uh, would you care to sort of? Uh, give your own sort of two cents on uh, the similarities between tech and cannabis in your estimation? Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it's about, you know, it's about communicating 
and connecting with people. You know, marketing now is so different than, you know, it, it used to be. It used to be like, you know, if the budget's big enough and the copy's good enough, you can sell anything. But now it's about everything is so transparent. So it's about real, it has to be exceptionally authentic. And, you know, everything is driven by, you know, if, if you have a great product, you don't even need, you need marketing, but you don't need advertising because the consumers were selling. If you look at something like Tesla or some great tech products, you know, they really sell themselves when they are disruptive and, you know, and reduce friction in people's lives. So, you know, that's how it, I mean, I, I, I don't think you can build a great cannabis brand without, you know, using technology. I guess the other analogy would be that it's a new business, you know, that you have to invent. We're inventing a new business, you know, a lawyer in technology. I mean, sorry, a lawyer in cannabis is a creative person. A lawyer in fi- you know, finance person in cannabis is a creative person. You really, you, you have to be creative in this business because you're, you're inventing it. And the same thing with tech, you know, you had all the, you know, a lot of young people with hubris who were, you know, creating businesses like Facebook and Snapchat and so on and so forth. So yeah, I think the analogy is that in what, what was drawn to me, if, you know, having really a history of building, doing things that hadn't been done before is cannabis. Like Bill, let's, what are the rules? You know, what are the policies? You know, how do you connect with consumers and how do you market to consumers with all these, you know, with one hand tied behind your back? How do you, and there's some, some mechanisms I love to share, like how I'm building my brand in the brand universe that hacks, um, you know, the whole cannabis marketing ecosystem and building brand. Well, I mean, something that immediately sort of separates the Pilgrim Soul brand uh, just just by your description is that, you know, you focus on creativity. But going back a little bit, you had said, you know, you, you had indexed some strains for creativity. Uh, can you explain uh, what that means to people who might not really understand? Yeah, so... Um, we looked at, you know, I'm working, I'm working with an amazing company called Abstracts Labs out of Irvine. And these guys do, um, they're really they're like uh, two PhDs in analytical chemistry who are leading uh, the company. And they do oils for like Sherbinsky and the Jack Herrera family and Josh D who invented like the OG brand. They are sort of elitist guys. And we, we uh, analyzed over a hundred different strains that index high for creativity based on survey data. So from Leafly and a bunch of other great sources, we looked at uh, strains that had, you know, uh, creativity and, and secondary and tertiary states of mind, like creativity and focus and euphoria. And we indexed those. We, we chemically analyzed them and built 3D models of them and looked at the cannabinoid profiles. And then we created different um, blends using multiple strains to to create um, uh, various creative impacts for creative focus, creative imagination, creative awareness, and uh, creative reflection, which is kind of, you know, which is a little more mercy driven because it's about looking inside yourself. So, it, you know, we, we used the best available science that we could and created some science with these guys. 
Um, but again, this is also kind of macro because you can, some people can smoke a sativa and fall asleep. So I like to say that the brand is 30%, um, you know, it's 30% science, probably, you know, 30% placebo, um, and 30% curriculum. So we have all these other products that are meant to be used with the cannabis that enhance the efficacy and that in the journal that you know you introduce is is one of them because you can you, you can smoke the creative imagination blend and think about your you know your ex-husband or your mortgage there's no guarantee you're going to have like a creative experience so if you use the journal it really puts guardrails on it and i i keep telling the story that like 30 percent this 30 percent that and then someone was like what's the other 10 percent i was like oh shit i forgot that <laughs> so now i just say the other 10 percent has to do with the, your relationship with your mother <laughs> everything is everything is associated with that um so you know let's talk about the the book a little bit you know i you guys sent me one and you know i at, at first you know i'm just sort of looking through it and, and my first thought is this is the stuff that I did in creative writing classes and so for me it was it was um it was sort of like having an old friend back because, you know, when you're a college student and you want to creatively write and, and you're almost forced to creatively write, it, it, it makes you do something, right? And, and because we all have sort of, you know, some of us aren't self-starters and whatever, whatever. The point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, it's, it's very um, accessible. So, yeah. so you know, tell, tell me about create, you know, the process that went into creating this and, and how it fits into your brand's overall mission. Yeah. So, so we created the journal. So if you're a really creative person, you can use it, but if you're not creative, there's a lot of prompts that guide you through, you know, cannabis itself is about opening up the creative aperture. If you're, you know, if you're, really creative, then the aperture opens super wide. If you're not that creative, then it still opens the aperture a little bit more for you to be creative, more creative than you usually are. So that's kind of, we wanted to create something creative, you know, these prompts. It's, so the journal is full of like 50, there's some adult coloring pages and things to do and some quotes and things to think about, but it's really about 50 different creative challenges that are in the book, that are in the four different categories I mentioned of creative thinking that help you, you know, look at yourself and look at the world from a different perspective. So the, the brand is about helping people unlock their innate creativity through cannabis curriculum, content, and community. And it's, it's all, you know, engineered to optimize an individual's performance there. Like, like one thing to think about is that, you know, everyone is born creative. You know, we, when you're like a baby, you know, you knock over a plant and you feel the leaves and feel the dirt and you, you are a hundred percent creative experience. Um, but we repress it, you know, like we were told that creative, you know, that creativity, making mistakes are bad and creative, creative people don't make any money. And, um, so the, the brand is really about helping people unlock their innate creativity and kind of get past themselves. So. As far as like how it works, you know, each, you know, as I said, each challenge pushes you to rethink the way you see yourself and we sort of reveal in the exercises, misconceptions about creativity and annoying aspects of the mind that kind of lead us to repress creative thinking. But the, the principal learning mechanisms are like 
what we call think difference, which challenge you to kind of identify and change cultural, habitual, and like the, your normal patterns of thinking. We're trying to like jar your, you know, your mind into looking at something from a different perspective. And as you said, they're all based on classic techniques. We just made them a lot more concise and a lot more fun because no one wants to read a lot of instructions while they're high. And, <laughs> you know, it's the last thing you want to do. Um, you mentioned you mentioned briefly you mentioned before uh, repression, and so one of the things that I did notice is that in times when you know after I got the book it would be on my coffee table and at times when I would normally you know pick up my phone to scroll through Facebook I was actually you know opening up the book and thumbing through the pages and you know chuckling at, at you know the horrible poems and and just some of the stuff that's sort of in there to begin with and you know I think that. Uh, one of the things that it served for me, you know, especially what, you know, we're in a, we're in a, you know, coronavirus and everything else was that it, it, it took me away from my phone and actually made me happier. Oh, that's so great to hear. You know, so, so what was, what have you heard from other consumers, uh, you know, and, and what were the sales like? So it's really been, so I, I created this thing as like an adjunct to the, cannabis product, which is launching in Q4 in California. Um, but I, I thought it was like going to be sort of like a break-even thing that and, and would ultimately enhance the efficacy of the cannabis product. Um, but it's really taken on a life of its own. It's really, it's been crazy beyond my wildest expectations. We sold, you know, we, we sold out of the first 1,000 of them in 24 hours. And then we just, you know, we Seriously. Ordered, Seriously, we, we ordered 50,000 more after that. Like, Unbelievable. Like, if you go to the, like, there's an, there's an ad. Um, there's no less necessarily link to it. I mean, there's a link to it, but there's no simple link to it. But we have an ad that says, you know, one of the techniques I used in advertising it is a classic technique where you help people identify with a product by saying who it's not for. So there's one of my ads that says, this journal is not for squares, man, <laughs> people who don't get it, people suck in the past, people afraid of change. And um, there's like over like 1200 comments on it. And in those, and then there's, there's another thousand shares. People have shared this ad a thousand times. <laughs> wow. And in the comments, there's over 3000 tags of people tagging their friends. Like you have to see this. And we see the most charming thing is that uh, there's, you know, people are asking, hey, is this any good? Did anybody buy this? And you have like three, four, five, six, seven responses. Like, I got it. I'm doing it. I love it. And like, I wrote, you know, I put a lot of heart and soul into this. And I've been using these techniques for a long time. But I didn't, I have to say, I didn't take it as seriously as my audience is. I mean, there's real, you know, real science and technique behind this. But there are people writing in that like I was in a creative rut and this, you know, changed everything from my neighbor who's in the band Fantagram, you know, was in this creative rut. And uh, she's like, it's taking me out of it. It's like totally helped. And her, her band mate didn't know that I, her neighbor created this and sent her a link to it. Uh, she should use this. It's like, it's really been, you know, I created this with a lot of love. So 
you know, it, it's, uh, I feel like the universe is rewarding me a bit, but it, I, I definitely did not think it would take on this kind of life of its own. So you mentioned that, you, you know, you, you put heart and soul into this and, you know, my, my favorite the activity that I've done in this is the creating of a class. I mean, because I'm a college professor, huh. right? I'm always, you know, like, oh, I would love to teach a class on this. I'd love to teach a class on this. Well, I actually got to, you know, write down uh, how the class, you know, the, the title of the class, the syllabus, the, you know, assignments, you know, and, and I'm sitting there writing and I'm like, this is just like this, you know, the stuff, the, the course descriptions that I write for college, except I'm not writing it about media studies. I'm writing it about professional wrestling or oh, uh, awesome. video games, right? And so that for me was like, oh, I can finally get this out of my head, right? Um, uh, that's great to hear because I, like, I, some of these I like almost didn't put in like, this doesn't seem fun or, you know, and it's, I hear people talking about various exercises that they're riffing on that are personal to them, like that, you know, the syllabus seemed kind of interesting to put it in there, but the fact that you are connecting with that more than the other ones is really Great to hear. Yeah, so what's your favorite activity in the journal and, and why? There's, it really depends on the day and the moment. Like, you know, the, there's, the, there's the imagination, the awareness, focus, and reflection sections. Like, I like, I like a horror, I'm going to give you a couple. I like a horrible poem, which you mentioned, because <laughs> it's like you know, one of the biggest killers of creativity is judgment. So this is sort of in the beginning of the book. And if you set out to write a horrible poem, um, then, you know, you can't fail. You can maybe write it. You might fail by writing a good poem, but that's not so bad either. <laughs> so that, that's a great mechanism. And then there's one um, in the focus section called losing speech, where, you know, you're the coach of your kid's peewee basketball team, and you're up 10 points at the half, but you bet heavily against them. So you have to, you know, create a speech, a halftime speech that, allows them to lose with dignity while you trash your own, you know? And it's, so it's about manipulation through storytelling, you know, and you have to empathize with, you know, you have to create a lie and create a story, but you have to use use empathy, not only for the kids, but their parents. And, you know, so there's a lot going on in this, which is part of the creative process, but it's in the creative focus section because you're using both logic and, you know, and, and, and making stuff up at the same time. And, no, then, and, it's, and it is really interesting that some of how challenging some of it actually is, you know, because you open, you flip through it and it's goofy and, you know, there's coloring sections, which is fantastic because adults should definitely color more, um, you know, but then there's stuff like that, that, you know, or, or there's one activity where you have to use certain words, um, like, you know, to describe people or, or uh, it's a letter, I believe. To grandma, letter to grandma. Oh, letter to grandma. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is actually challenging, you know? And, I, and I'm not, not going to lie, I did move on, um, but... <laughs> That's the multiple entendre one where you have to, like, you have to write a letter to your grandma. It's kind of a mad lib type thing. You have to write a letter to your grandma, but it's, the words have, all the words have double meaning, like blunt, prick, and... Uh, a lot of them are sexual too. That's that one I almost did not put in because it was a little too provocative. Um, but only if you have a dirty mind. If you don't, <laughs> it's fine. And then there's there's one in, there's one in the reflect the re creative reflections section is you know kind of riffs on a bit like the artist way, the classic book. And most journals are really a creative reflection driven, where 
they ask you to look inside yourself to find whatever creativity, whatever it is. And that is certainly part of this one, but it's, you know, it's only one chapter, but there's a, there's one in there I really like, which is write a letter from your 80 year old self to yourself today. What were you like after 50? What advice would you give yourself? And then, you know, that's a really cool mechanism to understand like where you, who you are, where you, what you want to be and where you want to go. Like my, you know, mine was, one of my advice was like to hang out with younger people, to stay young. But another one was like, always take the stairs. Like when you get to be my age, me talking as an 80 year old, taking the stairs is a privilege, but you have to earn it by taking the stairs every day after 50. So, you know, there's just like, it's just like, it's really charming and intuitive. You learn about yourself from some of these prompts. What did you learn about yourself when putting this together? I mean, you know, it's not just sort of a, the, the, the process itself is creative. The, the end product itself is creative. So, you know, yeah. what, what was that process like for you? I mean, you said, you know, you didn't include things. You did include things that you think maybe you shouldn't have. So what did you learn about yourself in this process? Well, what was interesting is, you know, I'm, I'm starting this company. I'm like, I'm doing curriculum and content and community and I'm raising money for this brand and I'm pitching and you know I'm talking about this journal it's gonna I have the cover of the journal but I don't know what the journal is gonna be I don't actually know what's in the journal I just know I'm gonna create it so that was but I had I had you know 100% confidence that I was gonna create this product that and it was gonna be a usable interesting product so I learned like I learned, I learned to believe in myself for one. Um, I've definitely done so. A bunch, I've had a bunch of failures, uh, but this I, I, I thought that I could create it. I didn't know what the format exactly was going to be, so it required a lot of empathy. Like, okay, you're high. You don't want a lot of instructions. This needs to be concise, but it needs to be like you, you need to. You need to think this is interesting whether you even do it or not. You need to learn from this whether you do the exercise or not. And then the examples, like they need to be kind of funny and amusing that you want to share with people whether you do the exercise or not. So I, I was, I, I think the biggest learn thing I learned ultimately is like to believe in myself. And I also, you know, agreed with myself <laughs> that I had these skills to create it. Empathy, you know, I've led marketing for a lot of big, you know, like MySpace and, and Gadget, some really influential properties. And people often say like, what is, you know, what's your secret in marketing? And I, I always say, for a long time, I said empathy, you know, like it's all about empathy. You gotta, you, know, you gotta connect with that target audience and like, you know, make them feel something and, and make the world a better place for that person. And then, and now my modern answer to that is data and empathy. You know, how do you, because everything you empathize, you have to prove with the data and then you kind of readjust and you're constantly iterating using both data and empathy. So that was a really long-winded answer to your question, but I don't even know if I actually answered it. <laughs> no, you totally did. The, the, so, so, you know, one of the things, uh, 
you know, I, I actually did start using cannabis at a relatively young age. I was like probably 16 when I started using every single day and did find, you know, at 16, I, I, it's when it's about the time that I really started writing, you know, uh, creatively short stories, poetry, uh, which I no longer I can't believe I just admitted that I wrote poetry ever anyway. Um, <laughs> and, and so you know, for me, it was, it was, I've always sort of knew that cannabis made me more creative. And then the music I would listen to, you know, you'd start to realize the artists are also high on cannabis. And so, you know, you're like, oh, there's, there's, you know, there's actually some sort of, it's not just me, right? It's, it's all these other, you know, musicians that I love and I listen to. And, and so during this process, I'm sure that, that you, you know, and, and not just the process of, of creating the book, but also the process of creating, you know, creative cannabis blend, blends. Um, what have you sort of uncovered between the history of science and cannabis and creativity uh, that, that most people might not uh, know about? Yeah, so there's a lot, you know, si- the, the actual research on cannabis and creativity is, is pretty limited because, you know, it's prohibitive. Um, the use cases are abundant, as you said, you know, cannabis has been used by artists, scientists, thinkers for thousands of years. You know, the, the output of cannabis and creativity is immense. You know, half the songs on Spotify would be gone if you took cannabis away. Hip hop, punk, jazz, R&B, you know, so on and so forth. Country is all that's left, I think. You know, you know, there was a, it's interesting. There's a, there's uh, these scientists or these, these computer scientists ran these algorithms to see the, the number of mentions of cannabis in any genre. And the number one genre was country. Like, How I, is that possible? I, I, I'll, send you, I'll, send you, I'll send you the article. I was shocked. I was shocked. But there's a lot of, a lot of you know, Willie Nelson, clearly. But there's definitely a, sure. lot of, a lot of country people using cannabis. I, there's an article on pilgrimsoul.com about country singers who use cannabis for creativity. Um, but the, so, so um, artists, you know, a lot of people have been using it and, you know, Sarah Silverman and some of the, all the, I had a meeting with Sarah Silverman's manager and in my deck, it said 75% of the comedies on television would be gone if it wasn't for cannabis. And she said that, I think that's a little low. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did a lot of research, you know, by the way, also, I, I, it needs to be said that using cannabis does not mean that all your ideas will be great. You know, probably actually most of them will be awful. I but know. It's not, it's not about that. It's about, it's the, you know, it's better to have 10, you know, 10 ideas and one good one than two highly inhibited ideas. And that's really the point, you know. So the science behind it is sort of cannabis's ability to, stimulate the blood flow, the frontal lobe, you know, allows neurons to fire kind of in a more uninhibited way. It is sort of, if you read about it, that's what you'll, you know, you'll find it's really stimulating the frontal lobe, which is the base for divergent thinking or sort of no holds barred creativity, what we call like out of the box thinking. So that's kind of the first thing is sort of this frontal lobe stimulation. But the next thing working together with it is really important in that it you know cannabis is a is a creative maximizer and it deactivates a specific part of the brain which is about inhibition and judgment. Um, so there's a region of the brain called the dorsolateral 
prefrontal cortex that is connected to planning, inhibition, self-censorship, and control over emotion. So cannabis is known to slow it down and deactivate that area um, and suppress these functions, which help really elevate creative thinking. So it's really a two-part thing. It's one, stimulating creativity in the frontal lobe and repressing judgment that allow cannabis. And this is... You know, the other, there's a, the other issue with cannabis research and creativity is that the definition of creativity, a lot of people will get caught up in what is creativity. And, you know, it's, it's really, again, it's about um, empathetic. I think I define creativity as empathetic understanding, enhanced imagination, pattern recognition, and, you know, and hyper-focus. All those things come together to help us putting old ideas together in new ways that have value. I mean, you know, it's, it's the, the way that you're describing sort of what you know, you can tell that, you know, all of those things went into putting this, this product together. And, you know, like I said, you know, I think, and it comes out really at a perfect time, right? When, when a lot of us are stuck at home and, and, you know, can't do a whole lot. Um, you know, and so, so I do, you know, want to thank you for, um, you know, sending me a copy, uh, you know, creating the thing um, and, and, you know, and congratulations on your success. I mean, it, cause it's funny, you know, it's like, oh, I, I'm a cannabis brand, but I, I suddenly have become like this, like really well-selling sort of author, you know, because yeah. of starting a cannabis brand. Um the, the last question that I want to ask is, is what advice would you have for entrepreneurs looking to build more of a, of a quote, lifestyle brand, right? I mean, I've had, you know, hundreds of guests of, of cannabis brands on this show. And, you know, I think that you are probably the first that is taking this sort of lifestyle brand to the next level. Yeah, I thank you for that. Um, so, you know, I, I spent a lot of time looking at, at cannabis brands, and it, and it appeared to me going to Hall of Flowers in California, and like ninety-five percent of the brands out there were pretty much just packaging. That, and it, and it became clear the next wave of cannabis brands were going to be really vertically focused, where people try to own a very specific niche of the industry, and they would be mission-driven with a really strong belief system. You know, because. People buy, people buy products from companies that believe what they believe in, in every category of product. And there's so many cannabis products where I don't really know what they believe. I don't know what they stand for. I don't know what their role in society is. And all these products, for the most part, get you high. You know, they get you to the same place. So how do you differentiate? How do you stand for something? And how do you connect with consumers? You know, So that my advice in building a lifestyle brand is to really find an authentic mission that is personal to you that you believe in. Um, and one of the great, one of the questions I always ask myself to get there is like, how do you keep score other than money? You know, when you got that scoreboard besides cash, like, well, what, what's the impact that you want to make, you know, and, and really defining that and thinking about how you, you know, enhance someone's life and create a promise for a better tomorrow in relative to your target audience. So 
really knowing who you are, what you stand for, and what your role in society is, is essential for creating a lifestyle canvas brand. But that's sort of like the ethereal part of it, the mechan, you know, mechanistic. I, I don't know if that's the, uh, an actual word. <laughs> <laughs> really like thinking about the brand universe. So there's so many limitations in the cannabis space. Like we, um, you, you can't advertise in social media. You can't really advertise in Google. So I created the brand universe with the journals and content and um, other, there's some other products I have coming out um, that are meant to be used while you're high. And all these are meant to, well, one, they're meant to drive revenue and, and diversify revenue. They're, in, they're all meant to enhance the efficacy of the cannabis product itself. So it's about creativity. Everything is meant to enhance creativity of the products, the content. And the content also is meant you know, to help me own my vertical and really lock in SEO around cannabis and creativity. You know, it's, it's, it establishes me as an expert. Uh, the, all the content on pilgrimsoul.com and it helps people because it's very utilitarian content about how to be more creative. But again, it, again, it really, as far as a brand goes in marketing, it's an SEO play at the same time. And then um, it allows me to, you know, the journals allow me to build a national cannabis brand with advertising in social media. There's rules where, you know, I won't be able to have my cannabis, my actual cannabis product within like two to three clicks from the journals to really make sure it's safe within all the rules of Facebook and everything like that. But I can, I can, you know, I'll spend one point right now. I'm advertising on uh, Facebook and Instagram and scaling this thing up. And I'll probably spend about $1.5 million on advertising just for the journal to make $4.5 million in revenue. And I, um, what's great about that is now I'm building this brand. If I do a, a partnership with a, you know, a, a, a cannabis group in Michigan, I can say, look, I'll give you air cover. cover. I will, you know, I'll advertise this journal in Grand Rapids on Facebook and promote you know, Pilgrim Soul and Cannabis for Creativity and Create Desire for this category and this product, and you'll be able to buy the journal inside of the dispensary as much, you know, as well as the cannabis. So it's a really unique advantage that other cannabis companies don't have when you have a brand universe with other, you know, with other products. It also helps you establish relationships with banks based on, you know, uh, revenue outside of cannabis. And, um, you know, it ultimately makes it just the whole thing more desirable, more viral. So those are those are some of the you know some of the levers that I'm pulling in building why I'm creating a lifestyle brand and and how I'm sort of using all these techniques to you know to scale the business. I mean, you know, and I'm just thinking about sort of the the dispensaries I've been to in Massachusetts um, that that there's not a whole lot of books on the shelves in those dispensaries. Um, you know, so to your point of, of, you know, being being unique, I mean, in many of those places, you'd probably be the only book on the shelf. There's some cookbooks and recipe books in California, but I've been getting a lot of calls from dispensaries all around the country who want to carry the book um, because it's, it's, you know, it's, it, you know I, I put this, I, I, I sort of 
coined this category as purpose-driven recreational, where it's about getting high and having a good time, but you, you know, there's a focused output that's positive. So it's, it, and, and, and you have a lot of these people like in Massachusetts who are particularly, you know, strictly medicinal, and now they need to go to recreational. And the bridge, I think, is purpose-driven, um, you know, recreational cannabis. I think another sort of interesting byproduct of this, and, and we'll have to have you on the show at a, at a later point to, to talk about this, is the data, I think, that can be derived both from the oh, chemistry yeah. aspect of your products, right? Um, you know, Maracene, you mentioned Maracene, and, and this is all, you know, stuff that we don't really have a ton of time to get into. Right. Um, you know, but the, you know, but also... You know, the, the, you know, if you get people who, who use your product and then, you know, use the book and, and I, I think you would get a lot of really interesting data points out of that. And then to your point earlier, you know, you said the data is something that's very important. Yeah, well, I can go, well, that's another thing I forgot to mention is like you, I'm building direct to consumer databases with these non-cannabis products. When you sell through a dispensary, they own the consumer. So as a brand, you need a way to connect with the consumers directly. Um, I'm, when I launch, I'd love to come back on when I launch the actual cannabis product, and then we can get into the science and really break down a lot of the, the strains that we're using, why we're using them. We can maybe even bring on like the abstracts labs guys to talk about like how they've, you know, what they do and how they've analyzed the different strains and, and the dominant terpenes for each effect. I, I, I would love to. Uh, before I uh, have you have you give people plugs, I, I do want to read my five line horrible poem. Oh, awesome. um, the Grinch stole Christmas, and my heart he beat his dog. A terrible man, he got coal. Um, that's it. That's my that's five like line. That's E. Cummings up in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I never I never wrote poetry that rhymed, and I wasn't about. It, it actually would have been horrible, more horrible if I had made it rhyme. Um, hey, where I'm can uh, uh, I, I can do a uh, like a gondrepreneur discount for the journal. <laughs> yeah. Um, why don't you tell people where they can find it? Any sort of uh, discount codes where they can learn more about Pilgrim Soul? All that sort yeah, of so stuff. Pilgrimsoul.com is the website. There's a link to the journals on the top of the page. Uh, gondrepreneur for 25% off. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of check it out. There's... You might see something on Facebook or uh, uh, Pilgrim Soul Creative is our, you know, our um, Instagram account. But just check out PilgrimSoul.com and again, Gondrepreneur for 25% off, which is like $7 and change. And it's, the, it's really like there's hours and hours of like content, like this really productive content. There's a lot to do. Like this thing could take you weeks to like enter you know and you're entertaining yourself with your own mind which is a charming thing and and very honestly very rare that you know the, the, you know we usually get bored you pick up your phone and and I, I personally have found that that has decreased the number of times i'm looking at my phone which i hate uh sean gold ceo of pilgrim soul uh thank you so much for coming on the show and really i can't wait to have you on after uh the the product the the strain strains launch and we can definitely talk about data and terpenes and and other really neat stuff 
Thanks, man. Thanks, TG. Really appreciate it. It's been, been pretty great. You can find more episodes of the Gondrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gondrepreneur.com on Spotify and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gondrepreneur.com website, you'll find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gondrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, TG Brandfault.